We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Cal fans? We are back with another episode of the Golden Bear Cast, a proud partner of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Andy, alongside me as always, Rob. Rob, what is happening? I'm going to start off with a little bit of tangent. I didn't realize how many P's go into that intro. Like, I'm just like just aware of it listening to you right now. Proud kind of partner. Pod, partner of podcast. Even Blue Wire kind of sounds like a Blue Wire like it kind of has a that that slight little push, but I didn't realize that up until now. But we have Proud a lot of alliteration of the Pluto podcast <laughs> planetarium. There you go, there you go. But it is a Tuesday night. We had much much sports over the weekend. Mucho mucho sports over the weekend. Um, me as a Charger fan got my heart ripped out of my soul. Um, Per usual, yep, just happens every week. So I'm not as is tradition. Yeah, yeah. So I, what is that like? My hundred and forty fifth heart that's been ripped out of my soul. So you know, only got another two hundred left. We'll see where that goes. But good luck. <laughs> but for now, glad that you have a defensive head coach. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely love your teams just, are identical right now. You yeah, have some someone two put up- defensive head coaches with bad defenses. Yeah, Avi sent me a comment from Reddit, and it said, imagine being a Chargers fan and an Angels fan. And a Cal and, fan. and Yeah, and then so a Cal fan on top of that. My life is has not been the greatest over the last... I'll just leave that however many years blank. You have the Lakers, so you kind of cheated there. I do, I do, yeah. Then if you were a Sharks fan, Angels fan, Cal fan, Chargers fan... That would have been a pretty rough go for you there, bud. Well, I'm a I'm a Ducks fan because I played hockey growing up, and I went to Ducks games. So Mighty Ducks, yeah. So that's not the greatest either. It's not. It's not. It's not. But you did have a championship. Okay, tangent averted. Schedule dropping down the agenda. Okay, we're gonna celebrate the end of an era. And talk through the last Pac-12 game at Memorial Stadium. That's right. That was the last one. Ain't, ain't no more. 
Oh, I was going to let you finish. It's my sad bugle. It's my sad bugle. That was great. We're going to go through the game itself in all of its spectacular glory. (laughs) We'll dive into some big game hype. Calvert Stanford. What's it going to be like on the farm? Might rain. Might rain. Is it good for Cal? Is it good for Stanford? Who knows? not, Not good for me on the field. Oh, you're on the field? Yeah, I want to take pictures. This is the last Pac-12 big game. Yeah. yeah. All right, fine. (laughs) And then we'll talk a little bit about conference stuff. Washington State, Oregon State, court case going down today. We'll get to questions. We're going to try a new thing. Questions are going to be sprinkled in where they are relevant. And then those that exist outside of that relevancy criteria, we'll address at the end. And then we'll wrap up. Just lovely. Cool. Let's get started. End of an era. This was it. That was it, my friend. That was the last Pac-12 game at Memorial Stadium. Ever. Ever. Maybe. Maybe not ever. But most likely ever. Yeah, who knows? I I, I don't know if it had the nostalgia or... I didn't feel, and maybe it was because I was so late. I didn't feel the moment as much as I think I've hyped it up to feel. Okay. And I'm curious if you experienced that the same way or if it was different. Uh, I think initially it just felt like another game day to me. There was there was no pomp and circumstance that this was the last Pac-12 game at Memorial, nor nor should they really have anything of that sort. You know, it, it's not something like a happy memory to commit commiserate. Um, but I I can't after I will say this after I left the stadium, like after the game was over, and um, I was walking out. I was like, man, I actually should have spent a little more time after the game just kind of soaking in the moment. Um, It was just like there was just so much chaos where I was just like, I just want to get out of there. It was just so many people um, out out on the field. So I just wanted to I just want to get out. So like I just went to the photo room, packed up and left. But after I left the stadium, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe I should have taken a minute um, and taken it all in. But yeah, as of as of the buildup. It, it just felt like, a, well, we made it. We made it to the end of the 2023 home schedule season. And that's kind of all it felt like. Yeah. Which, yeah, it does. It is weird having the back-to-back away games to finish out because it did feel like it kind of finished early. Yeah. It feels like we still have one home game left. Might as well be a home game. Yeah. Based on past crowds at Stanford mm-hmm. Stadium. Yep. But... It didn't, yeah, it didn't really feel like the end. And I think generally I was just too pissed to even think about it. <laughs> I was just way too upset. My upset level after this game was 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. USC and this game. Goodness. Oregon game, I had no feelings. I couldn't feel anything. I was just dead inside. USC game and this game. Furious. With the co- and I we talked on the phone and I said, but this one has the caveat of a win. Like you could you could always you could say any argument, but always add it with but we won, but we won, right? But you but you couldn't do that with SC. There was no addendum to to whatever 
arguments you made. Well, there was a really interesting dialogue that happened on the Right for California site after the game, which I, which I think is fascinating and, and showcasing kind of like my own journey as a Cal fan, because I remember the big game in 20, I think it was 15. And that was the one where we kept kicking field goals and it was like close enough. Oh, where when well, that one was on the farm? Yeah. 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 Was that the... Like- was that the Dylan Club or is that the fake field goal or the fake punt? Was that the fake punt year? The USC fake punt year? No, no, no. Against uh against we ran it against Stanford. What was I thought it was against Stanford. Not the or, one where he kicks his legs up like he's doing the can can, right? Is that the S is that SC? I yeah, why I always remember that as being a big game. Anyways. No, that was that was SC. Okay, okay. That was that was amazing. That's, no, yeah. this is the one where I think we kept kicking field goals and we got it to a respectable score. And then essentially the take that was written was that the, you know, that we were really never close and that we shouldn't have been kicking field goals. And I, and you know, it was Sonny's second year. And I remember coming into that and as I, I, as I tend to do sometimes, having a contrarian take to the article and writing about how I saw potential in the team and potential in how we were competing, and I was excited about the future going forward. I sort of like took the positive away. And then from this game, there were some people in the comments that were really upset about the headline, and I did want to just kind of call this out because I thought it was a totally appropriate headline. Which essentially said that Cal was outgained, I don't know, 472 yards to 300. I think something like that. It was, just, it was just a factual s- sentence. It, it's that is as objective as you can get. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, their point is, yeah, that's a true statement, but you could look at it two different ways. You could say, you could highlight the great plays that happened during the game. And, you know, f- having lived it, and having been there, and I'm not saying those that were making those comments weren't there live, but I think I think I've just gotten to the point where I'm super tired of playing these games. I I don't want to play these dumb games anymore where we have an 18 point lead and I have to worry about with seven minutes left if, whether or not we're going to be able to hold on to it. I want to have a team where I'm like, look, the expectations aren't high here. I want to win seven games a year, seven. <laughs> Seven, but if we're up 18, I want to be like, cool, family, I think we can go <laughs> because we're going to be able to hold on to this lead, not what ended up un- uh, unfolding. Uh, Just chaos. I didn't even talk about what I wanted to talk about with the whole Pac-12 <laughs> thing. <laughs> I just got right into the frustration. That just shows it's still it's a fresh wound. Yeah. Well, let's 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 take a step back. Let's talk about the Pac-12 thing. What were your how how are how are you either like coming to terms with that now, or did you come to terms with that before you entered the stadium? Like, where was your mindset in the the historical like pinpoint of this particular day? Yeah, I mean, I think I came to terms with that in September, and <laughs> once it was, it's just one of those things. Like, once your future is sort of more secure. And I'm sure Washington State and Oregon State fans have had to have that uncertainty the whole season. So I I still like maintain we're in a blessed position to be in the ACC. Yes, it was a shit deal. Yes, are we totally in a dis like a poor position from an athletic department? 
from a financing perspective because of it. Absolutely. All those things can be true. And yet you still have the security of knowing that we're not going to be an independent next year. We're not going to, uh, you know, be in a legal court battle for the future of, of the conference and decision making and, and have to have all of that anxiety and, and like checking those feeds all the time to be like, did this happen? Did that happen? And I remember that because that's how I was following along with the ACC stuff. It was like, yeah. are we, are we not? You know, same thing with the Big Ten. Are we, are we not? Okay, we're in, then we're being left out. And then ACC, no, we're out. You know, definitely never going to happen. Then it's back, going to happen, not going to happen. Then, you know, okay, big sacrifices and SMUs involved and here we go, you know, and, and it goes down. But we had the peace of mind of being able to move on from it and those schools do not. But as far as like, I just think the whole thing is so dumb. It's so dumb. Everyone has said it. Wilcox has said it. Uh, and not as much as I think he will say it in the off season, as he's hinted a couple of times about having a sit down session for somebody like him, it would be a fascinating perspective given that he's been around Pac-12 football since he was super, super young mm-hmm. and he grew up with it. Yep. But the whole thing, and I think to some degree, what Avi said after the game was really spot on. It's like, this is sort of the perfect ending to what Pac-12 football has been for Cal which is a game that was just ridiculous. <laughs> and, but yeah, the, the, the whole thing is dumb. I mean, Washington, like a bunch of Washington state fans showed up to the game and uh, I mean, come on, we're gonna be playing Syracuse next year. Like who the hell is going to be there from Syracuse? You know, <laughs> just like, it's just like, uh, it's so, it's so dumb. It's just so dumb. And there's no, there's no story tradition in, in it there's no 61 59 game that we can reflect on there's no uh smoke game like you just lose what is special about college football and yes once again we're in a good position because we can restart and rebuild those stories and we can have those rivalries and we can have a crazy game against the syracuse or uh whoever it's going to be and all of a sudden we're like okay like maybe there it is but it's going to take a few years and i don't think it'll ever feel the same I don't think like we're going to get to know the Syracuse fans the same way I would know the Washington state fans the same way I look for a Washington state flag every single game day. Like that, that is gone. Um, the flip side is I did see Oski and I don't know the Cougars name, Butch, Butch were hanging out all the time, like cheersing and like all of these things. I don't know if you were, if you had a unique lens to that on being on the sideline, they were legitimately fighting and doing all of that behind me the entire game. I have like I I put up pictures on Twitter and stuff. I have multiple videos in Twitter, like uh, and pictures of them just like just mascot antics around me. Like Oski has posts on his Instagram uh, of from that game. I'm in like three of those videos. <laughs> you just see me sitting there with my camera, like just turning around, and then the two guys are like fighting. They're like so, you know they're play fighting and, and so whatnot. you didn't watch the game at all. <laughs> I was just like, what is going on? Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I put out a tweet with like a video and it's like, and I said, uh, like, hello, 911. I have two wild animals fighting near me. Like I need help. And it's just Butch doing like, just uh, rolling in circles, doing like a uh, snow angels on the ground. Things like that of that nature. It was great. Great times. Great times. That's the magic. That's the magic of college football right there. It is. It really is. But that's it. I mean. Those are my thoughts. What about you, Rob? 
Yeah, I mean, as I said, like, I, I don't think I took in kind of the moment, you know, you ask players all the time, particularly seniors about like, hey, do you, are you, do you take in, you know, your last final home game, like, and all that? And guys are like, yeah, you know, probably not right now, but maybe after the game's over, you know, you, you get those answers all the time. And I think uh, that was pretty applicable for me this this time, just because I get to be on the field um, and the clock goes out and like my mind immediately just turned into, uh, I got to like pack up and get out of here. But as I said, like, I think I should have taken a little bit more time to to, to soak it all in a little bit. Um, but like, as Avi said, like, if this is the last Pac-12 home game, this is probably the most exciting way of having a Pac-12 home game, like to remember by, you know, just to be like, remember that last Pac-12 home game, that Washington State just thriller of everything that hap- can happen in a football game happening in a football game? An offensive lineman scoring a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. A scoop and score to start the game, a Hail Mary interception to end the game, uh, missed field goals in crunch time. Yeah. Just everything you can think of across the board just happening. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of where I was at. It was just, uh, I'm going to miss this one and I'm definitely going to rewatch this one um, in its entirety like sitting at home in front of a TV just to just to get in like the entire game feel uh, rather than being like on the sideline and being, you know, eye level to the, to the plays happening. Yeah. Well, let's get into the game. I mean, all right, let's do it. What, (laughs) where do you even start? Where do we even start? Well, okay. For, I think the first thing we got to start off with is Kedu Lave. Looks like a star in the making. Uh, I mean, that that kid is a true freshman being thrust into the starting lineup and has, I believe, nine tackles, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery or two fumble recoveries, one of which was returned for a touchdown, one and a half tackles for loss and an interception to to cap off the win. That's a stellar stat line from an inside <laughs> linebacker. Yeah. An, an unreal one, actually. Yeah, I mean, the if you want to look at the bright side, linebacker looks really good next year. Right? Yeah. Like, Caleb Elamzor and uh, with Cade, really, really solid. Yeah, he even got a Katie even got a shout out, I think, on College Football Game Day, where they gave a, I think uh, Joey Galloway gave him a helmet sticker uh, for his wow. performance this weekend. So that's awesome. And that's really cool. He was also voted, and I voted for him as well. He was voted uh, Pac-12 Freshman of the Week and also Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week. That's awesome for him. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, he has been a huge bright spot. Mm-hmm. Huge bright spot since Jackson Sermon went down. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Cades. I think the next thing we got to talk about before we talk about the game in its entirety, Brian Driscoll. Just, <laughs> I mean, to look at the stat book and it says Brian Driscoll zero yard rush for a touchdown. Like, how is that? How is that mathematically possible when you just read that? How do you rush zero yards for a for a touchdown? My favorite is like in the presser. He thought it was three <laughs> yards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he and you if you rewatch the play too, he like dives as if he's like doing like a like a you know a goal line dive as a quarterback, like going over the pile. 
and it's just he's going like maybe two or three feet. Um, his presser, if you're listening to this pod and you haven't seen his presser, go and watch it on Cal Bear's YouTube channel. He's dressed like the whole Fitz Magic thing a few years back, where Fitz Magic was wearing like all of Deshaun's clothes and like uh, chains and stuff. So Driscoll comes in with like a bunch of chains and everything, and it's like not, it's just a bunch of his teammates. And he always said that he wanted to do a presser dressed up like that, and he pulled it off, and that was just incredible. It was fantastic. I also liked uh, Fernando's where he's rocking yeah. the shirt and he's like, <laughs> yeah, I decided to rock it backwards. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, you won't see his name if I wear it forward. So I'm going to run it backwards. So you get to see his name. This is, this so is brilliant. Good. So brilliant. Good. Well, yeah. So what a game. Uh, it those just are the bright spots. Yeah. Felt like every single time that Cal was going to pull away, <laughs> it was like they got the stop when Washington State went for it, like deep in their own territory. And then upon review, the ball like barely got there. And then, you know, it's just sort of like that over and over and over again. And it was um, just bananas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like just going through like the scoreline, right? It's like. 7-0 Cal, 14-0 Cal, 14-7 Cal, 21-7 Cal, 21-14 Cal, 28-14 Cal, 28-21 Cal, 28-24 Cal, 35-24 Cal, 42-24 Cal. That's why I said the game was over. Yep. 42-32, then 42-39. Just, yeah. Just utter chaos. Like beginning and end. Like, Looking at the just just looking at the pure team stats, right from the entire game, none of this makes sense in how we won. Like none yeah. of this. Washington State thirty-two first downs to Cal sixteen. Net rushing Cal one seventy-seven to Washington State one twenty-five. Net passing Cal one fifty to Washington State three hundred and fifty-eight. <laughs> like Dude, we lost every single statistical category except for turnovers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, it's just, it's, I mean, look, I think the key one that I figure I, I kind of did the math for time of possession is about a 10 minute gap between us and them. And they ran 40 more plays than us in yeah. 10 minutes. And we won. I I don't know how to, I, I don't know how to tell someone that and say, who do you think won? I think that kind of defeats the argument which you see out there, which is like, well, Cal had two defensive touchdowns, so it gave them extra possessions. But yeah, but by that math, you gave them two extra possessions that went for 20 play drives. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, you could have given them two extra possessions that added maybe eight plays. (laughs) But like, dude, (laughs) Uh, it's... It's, we did not deserve to win this game. I think that's why I was so pissed. We didn't deserve to win it. We, uh, yeah, we made plays. I don't. I can't tell you whether or not Cam Ward was down or his forward momentum was stopped. But I, I bet if I was a Washington State fan, I'd be saying that. I can't tell you that having a freaking cannon go off and fireworks fire off in the middle of a hail mary at the end of the game and the ball hit a receiver in the hands that that didn't have some impact on that play or distract the coaches i know the i was right behind the washington state sideline and they were pissed like it's just i don't know it's uh you know i i also think like 
the fact that the I think it was a fumble, but it traveled 20 yards, and then the Washington State player has it, and then he fumbles it, and then Noel grabs it, runs it the end zone. I mean, it was just like insanity. We had Lady Fortune was like on our side, and then two missed field goals, one to tie, like another to tie. And, you know, had he made both of those, they win. The other one, if he goes one of two, then it's OT. I mean, all of those things, like if you're a Washington, the only thing I can think of is like if you're a Washington State fan, you're like, dude, we gave that game away. I mean, if you're Washington State, you're Cal versus SC. You're going yeah. like, yeah, we handed the win over to Cal. And if you're Cal, I'm like, dude, for goodness sakes, man. <laughs> we just got out of there. Just we just need to we just need to get we just need to leave. Dude, my father-in-law was like, yeah, you know. Cal's looking good, but they've gotten really lucky. They keep scoring on fumbles. <laughs> and I was like, you're totally right. You're absolutely right. It's been very fortunate. The ball has bounced our way so much. Yeah. Uh, I just, I I don't know. It's Some of the this, ref- refereeing also was just got awful. Awful. The play right before the half where the ball, they, that was a terrible call. That ball, there's no way you could t- convince me that whoever that was that was running that like uh um, yeah, it's their backup t- it's their backup uh when they ran like their two QB, QB? set. Yeah, it's their backup yeah. QB. So the ball was like not only were you right, because I was like, that was a fumble, and you're like, he he was down. I think he, he was, was yeah, he was clearly down. down. <laughs> yeah. Clearly down. And then he also didn't have possession. So the only way he wouldn't have been down would have been to say that he didn't have possession, in which case it was a fumble and could not possibly be a touchdown. And so, and then they just kept coming back and being like, the call stands. I was like, dude, call stands is like way overused. I think it's way overused to give officials an out. You see it all the time in the NFL. And they're like, we know what the play was, but they're scared to confirm it. And so they're like, let's just be safe and like say that it stands. Stop doing that. Just confirm it if you know what it is. And don't like stand should be a last resort. You're like, truly, we don't know. But if you know, then just call it. Like that was not, by no means was that a touchdown. That, the touchdown was the only thing they could have called that made zero sense. And uh, and yet they did. And yet they did. Yeah. And, and then, then that P.I. Oh, my gosh. That P.I. call. Oh, oh, who was that on? Yeah, I can't remember either oh right now. Oh, my Lord. That was the softest call I've ever seen in my entire life. You yep. didn't even touch him. It was a freaking ground. Yep. And it, like, dude, it was just... Classic, but I mean that's that's what we asked for, right? That's what we wanted. Pac-12 refs, yeah. Pac-12's last game. We had to have, you know, the world's worst refereeing because <laughs> why would we have anything else? I mean, two two things I want to talk about in terms of the refereeing before we move on. First one is I think the fumble recovery by Noel that ended up in the end zone. I have footage of it because I was standing in that. I was filming from the back of that end zone. In my video, because I can slow it down to about 50%, um, his arm was coming forward. And the fact and the fact that they didn't even review it is what made it more egregious. Like, not not even – I mean, I dude, I'm a – if you go to stands, it. that's fine. But that's a turnover. That should be reviewed regardless. <laughs> it's like I was like, oh, my gosh, they're lining up for that extra point. <laughs> And I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those like late, you know, sideline refs rushing out, you know, blowing the whistle as Mateen like kicks. But they're like, no, it just happens through. And I'm sitting in front of the Washington State uh, fans and they're like, 
Why won't you review it? <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm I'm turning back at them and inside I'm going, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I absolutely agree. Oh my goodness. All right. And then the other one I want to talk about is like the Patrick Mo- McMorris thing where it looks really bad, right? It looks really bad. It looks like they're telling him to to go down and fake an injury. But let me tell you what I saw from my my perspective. On that play, McMorris goes down. He's on his back. All right? Instead of staying down, he realizes that the play is being called where they're calling for a defensive substitution. So he tries to walk off the field. But then goes about halfway and realizes he can't walk. Um, and then kind of goes down on one knee again. Then he, I think he looks to where the ball is being spotted, and it looks like they're about to get a playoff. So he looks to his sideline, and the coaches are just saying, just go down. Just go down. And so that's when he goes down. And then the play happens, but the ref that's standing right there doesn't see McMorris on the field on his back, like <laughs> in, like, you know, just struggling to get off the field, which is why the play happens. Then the ref mid-play realizes that he's down, and I see him talking to some of the Cal coaches, which is why after that play had happened, the refs convene and say it should have been a ref's timeout, which is why they redo that down, and we don't get penalized for the 12 men on the field, illegal substitution rule. Yeah. But if you just look at the video, it looks like McMorris is walking off the field like for a substitution, and the Cal bench is just telling him to go down. No, he was definitely hurt. It was crazy, though, because from my side, all I saw was whoever was replacing him sprinting in so unbelievably late. <laughs> and it was like 20 yards away from any defender. Yep. And that's exactly where they went with the ball, and they got a big gain out of it. They did. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just mayhem. Just... <laughs> so bad and i'm like what is happening here you just it's just oh gosh like classic it's absolutely it's, classic it's so it's so beautiful if you take a step back from it and just go if you if you could show any game that from a cal a cal played game and say can you give me a a, a game that's like a microcosm of everything that was beautiful and wrong about the pac 12 all at the same time this might be the game I showed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need indeed. Just yeah. the insanity of like Pac-12 after dark, like, you know, it was getting towards that time, right? The sun was setting. It it the referees just being god awful. The plays that you don't think would ever ever occur in college football like a a, a zero yard fumble recovery from a t- for a touchdown from an offensive lineman. A failed hail mary, uh, scooping scores left and right, just uh, sacks. You you name every single thing you want to see in a football game. That was in there for you. It's in there. It's in that game. You'll find it somewhere. I really thought that this podcast was going to be me coming on and being like, "We had six sacks. Look at like when we were up eighteen. I was already envisioning. I was like, I'm going to go on the pod and be like, "Wow, it's really amazing. What happens when you have?" consistent pressure on your <laughs> from Opposing your line yeah yep and how much it helps out a defense but the last seven minutes of this game completely erased any potential <laughs> to talk about that completely erased it there's no way it just it was so insane because that last so it's like we go up 18 and then i'm sitting next to my father-in-law and we do the kickoff where we kind of do the squib. We first of all, we almost recover the squib kickoff. It yep. was very close very to close. being recovered. Yeah. Just one then, more bounce. Yeah, just one more bounce. So that's already insane. Then so my father's like, like, why would we do that? And I just say, yeah, okay. You know, the reason why we would do that is because the one play that's gonna kill you here is really the big play. So what you want to do is just kind of limit that and force them to take time off the clock. It's like four plays later, they scored a touchdown. <laughs> four <laughs> plays later. It's like, Sermon, what defense were we calling? We were like, oh, yeah, pressuring the quarterbacks worked all game. Let's do none of that. Let's just play like the softest defense in the history of the world. And I'm sure everything will be fine. I mean, that's what we usually do, right? It was like we relax. We way relax up. And then we're like, okay, like once they cross the 50, then we'll start playing defense for real. But like Cam Ward's way too good for that. And it's just like all day is just destroying our defense, like instantly <laughs> just downfield. Okay, boom. Then you're like, all right, well, they scored the touchdown, but they at least have to get the two-point conversion. And then uh yeah, they I was like, okay, well, like we're in a good spot. Like they still have to get two points. Oh yeah, they get the two-point conversion. Okay. Well, basically, like all we have to do is like not give away the football. And then it's like immediately, immediately. We put the ball on the ground. We put the ball on the ground. I, Dude, Rob, it, <laughs> if where is Ron Gould and is he employed right now? Because that's a very good question. Why is our ball security so bad? Uh, Can we just have him come in and do the ball security drills that we used to do in practice where he would punch them with a boxing glove made of like cement on a stick? And we would never fumble we Um, fumble so much so much and for all the good things that aristotle has done we fumble so much and we fumble when it matters the most it's unbelievable we fumble when it matters the most it's like we're we're, we feel the pressure i mean the stratic fumble was exceptionally bad for him like there was that was really really bad the jeremiah the fumble was unlucky as I've said before. This I don't even know if I have a chance. To re- I have to revisit the Ott fumble, but and then uh, Jaden fumbled twice that game. So it's uh, dude, it's 
what? Ay, ay, ay. This whole this whole season has just been like, hey, remember all those things you used to say about like, hey, we stop, have to stop caring about turnovers and you know be be okay with being more loose with the ball. And now I'm like, no, we don't. Never mind. Reverse, <laughs> <laughs> reverse course. So yeah, so then I'm like, okay, well, the worst case scenario is that we we give away the football, and yeah, sure enough, we did. And then, of course, they come all the way downfield and score the touchdown. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Look at us. And then we get the ball back. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, we just fire. Now we just need to have the drive that we should have had last possession and get a first down and basically put the game out of reach. And yeah, it was closer than we thought at the end, but, you know, I, I won't be too upset about it. And we called that play on third down where we rolled Mendoza out to the left. And I have no idea what the hell that was like i i think nick said it was a pass play or someone wrote it as a pass play and i was like that was a pass play i thought that was a designed run and fernando just like nando made the wrong read on the run whatever it was let me tell you the two plays when they've mattered the most the two-point conversion against usc and that play right there i've been exceptionally underwhelmed by um and so of course yes we don't get the ball now we are punting. It is 42-39, and this is where the chaos commences. <laughs> First, we have our lovely Mike woman, who I think was a senior, which makes this mistake completely un- <laughs> inexcusable. Unconfirmed if she's a senior or not. Okay. All right. Unconfirmed. Yeah, it's an unsubstantiated rumor for me. <sighs> so, 24 seconds left. The punt's in the air. I missed. I missed a missed field goal somewhere. You I, did. It was. A, it was a bit earlier. It was a bit okay. earlier. But so you're, I missed you're the good. missed field goal. Yeah. All right. The missed field goal is what it, I think goes into our our three or like our three our and three out. and out. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. Okay. So punt is in the air. Or actually, it's like yeah, the punt's about to happen. Twenty four seconds left in the game. Yeah. And first. For some unbelievable reason, our Mike person decides to go into the, you know it, you tell the story, you tell the whole damn world that this is bear territory, which is entirely reserved for post-game wins only. <laughs> or Not- when it's like out of reach, when you know it's it's game over, like you're up 18 points, up 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like 18, a minute, 10 minutes, 10. Like, fine. Yeah, exactly. Not up three punting the ball away. Yeah. <laughs> and so I am turning to my father-in-law and I am losing my mind. I think he's just watching me melt down. I don't know if he's ever seen. It. I am going, what? What is this Mike person doing? And this. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening right now? We're punting the ball away. I'm like, oh, they're going to return it for a touchdown, aren't they? Like, you just know. I saw the entire young alumni section and particularly our group of friends sitting in, in QQ and R pointing at the like where the mic men stand, that little that little deck area and shaking their hands like a, like like a, the, the pat or the, the field goal is no good. And they're saying, no, stop it. Stop it. No. No. And for me, for me, uh, before I let you continue, for me, the, that's the moment where I was like, oh, we're going to lose this. That's that's the meme moment that's going to lose us this game. Uh, without a doubt. It was us 
yelling. It was us yelling, we're number one, we're number one against Oregon State. Yeah. That all over again. <laughs> it really was like reliving that nightmare. It was like, it's probably going to be a punt return for a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. And then so I'm watching them on the screen. I'm watching the Mike people. <laughs> I'm saying this like they're like they're the uh the blue the blue folks. <laughs> the blue folks again. Oh my God. Are you talking about like the blue man group? The Smurfs. Oh the Smurfs. <laughs> what the Smurfs? It's a cartoon show. Why are you <laughs> what? So I'm watching the Smurf Mike people. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like uh, hugging and like I can't tell if they realize that the mistake has happened or if it's just joy for the senior day or what's going on. I'm like, this is bananas. Like we are so <laughs> so bush league right now. Whatever. Then Cam Ward has the football. There's like 24 seconds left. Yeah, it's a, he throws eleven yards to the boundary for first down, then completes another one for six yards to the Washington forty-one. Then a timeout's called by Cal. Then Ward throws another pass that's short. Four seconds left on the Washington State forty-seven. Yeah, perfect. And that's where you know before that I basically said. They're, you know, they're playing for a field goal most likely up until that last play where yeah. now it's like, okay, we're Hail Mary and odds are finally back within our favor. Because I think for me, at least, it was very clear that the odds were like, I it sort of felt like we were going to lose. You know, it just sort of felt like we had created enough and done enough classic Cal things in only just as USC. The same yep. exact talk track as USC. We had to fail in the same in the perfect way in order to put ourselves in that position to lose that game. And we did every single thing on the checklist. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm expecting us to lose. Then the defense steps up and now it's Hail Mary time. So, <sighs> so yeah, I'm talking kind of through. Okay, there's four seconds left. That's not enough time to catch the ball, spike it. So you are even with the automatic clock stop that is in college football. So you have to throw it deep. And so this play begins and, you know, we're like, okay, like hopefully we get some pressure on the quarterback and Cam Ward steps back. I mean, almost realizing as I'm like going through this, like I almost blacked out (laughs) and, (laughs) and the ball. And so he steps back and like, it's crazy. The whole stadium is standing and the ball like leaves his hands and it must, it felt like two seconds into the ball <laughs> leaving his hands that the cannon goes off. Yeah, as, the, ball, as, the ball's in the air. As loud as I've heard that cannon go off, just bam. <laughs> like, and I swear everyone in our section looked left and then I look right and there's fireworks going off in the other end zone as high as the top of the goalposts, the ball is in the air and there is a Washington state player directly underneath the trajectory of the pass. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is the pinnacle. This is it. We're going to (laughs) lose in the most spectacular way with the cannon going off fireworks in the end zone 
and a Hail Mary on a game that we were up 18 with like eight minutes left. That's how Cal's going to lose. And sure enough, I think I, I actually will defer to you on this one, Rob. I don't know if Cade got it clean or if it kind of came off a deflection. Um, but alas. Uh, yeah, so what happened on that play was um, Cade also kind of described it too where the Hail Mary setup where there's like probably two or three receivers jumping up to try and catch the ball. There's usually one receiver that's facing them that has his back towards the quarterback, maybe a couple yards in front of him, so that they if there's a deflection, they could try and catch that and kind of run it into the end zone. Um, he sees that, and as it's deflected and it's coming down, he basically jumps in front of that receiver. Yeah, because um, that and looks like a real option, too. Yeah, it was, it was right, right there. there. Yeah, if Cade <laughs> right didn't make there. that read, it's right there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, and he intercepts the ball. He goes down. I'm, I'm not kidding. To go back to what I said earlier, the Washington State bench was like, what the hell? The Cade is going off. Fireworks are going off. Music's playing. You know, I think they had a legitimate gripe. I, yep. I, I, that... Whatever I don't know what that that would have been. I don't think you can put that ball on the two, but like I think you can call a flag and say replay you know, down like five yard penalty interference, down. five yeah. year five yard penalty. Can't be that much different than like a sideline interference call. I I don't think you can set off a cannon in the middle of a live play. <laughs> Otherwise, we should be setting that thing off fifty times a game. That Cannons was certainly, going off, uh, yeah. fireworks going off early. Like it was. And the fireworks oh. are set up right next to me, too. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, dude. I think the only way to describe that is Joe Starkey. What a bonanza. It's packed what with football. A bonanza. And that was it. Cal wins in the most I you know, <laughs> just couldn't even take a single positive. I just couldn't. I just nope. That I just was like, uh. Oh. It's right. beautiful. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, so a, a few questions regarding this was like Sam, our dear friend Sam Fielder asks, uh, why were there so many cannon problems and what happened with the fireworks on the last play? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we kind of went through it. But here's a here's a fun thing. If you go to Oski's Instagram channel or feed or profile, <laughs> there's a picture of him <laughs> pressing the buttons for the fireworks. And I think one of the captions underneath was like, uh, like now we know why it all went bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that's a joke or if like if that's actually it, where Oski clicked the button a little bit too early. Uh, but yes, he had control over the buttons on which fireworks to set off. So there is that. My goodness. Yeah. Is it in his story or is it? I think it's on his. Po- it's on his post. Like it's in, it's in one of the most recent ones. It's like a gallery. You just got to scroll through it, but it's somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, I mean that was the that was the Washington State game, the final game of the Pac-12. Just absolute chaos. Wait, you are literally right there. In I am the in. Mul- I told you, I am in multiple of those videos. <laughs> I have those videos if you want if you want to see it, like what it oh looked like from my, my gosh, perspective. He is it's setting just, off the fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's not even looking downfield. <laughs> Oski, Oski was just full on, like just I don't know, I don't know if deranged is the right word, but he did not have a care in the world in that one. He was just having a good time, and I don't blame him. 
I don't blame him one bit. <laughs> He's not only just staring down, but you can see in the background that nobody in the background has reacted to the end of the play yet. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Anyways. Well, we got a question about the game before we move on from the game. All right. Um, N on Twitter says, how would you grade the run game versus Washington State? Should it improve versus Stanford and UCLA? Does Fernando need the run game to do well, or can we rely on his arm to carry the offense? I have no confidence that we can rely on Fernando's arm to carry the offense right now. I, I didn't walk away from that game feeling good at all. Uh, I think I think Fernando's a gamer. I mean, he has good attitude. He's learned a lot, but I don't I don't know, man. Yeah, I've, the the big thing for me is we've been hoping that for me, I've been judging Fernando against what is most likely going to happen, which is Cal going into the transfer market and saying, is his development and progression better than what's going to be available on the transfer like portal? And I had this game made me very much question that. And it's not like I'm so happy he got the win. He's so deserving, absolutely deserved to beat SC. SC game, I was all in on the potential. He hung in a tough break, like pocket that was breaking down all the time, made tough throws. Uh, but this game, you know, I, I don't know what was going on. I think like, yeah, we ran the ball a lot and that was great. But we're going to have to get something more from the passing game against Stanford and UCLA because at the end of the day, like we just don't have the depth at running back to, to continue to do this. And it, so unless we have Afonso coming back, or I, I just think that we can't continue to rely on Jaden that much. But I, Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think, I think you know, there's a reason where we threw. I think how many times did Fernando throw in the second half? It it was it was a like a really really low number. Uh, let's see, third quarter Cal threw five times, and in the fourth quarter, I believe Fernando threw once. Yeah, so a total of six passes in the entire second half from Fernando. Everything else was run. So I think they did rely on the run game pretty pretty heavily. Uh, but yeah, I, I honestly don't know where they should go. Stanford Stanford is going to be a really weird game because you know it's a rivalry game, so you throw all like the pre like your. You, you, what you think might happen out the door, but at the same time, like Stanford this season has been pretty bad across the board. There's not like really a thing that you could see like, oh, they're really good at that. Maybe QB run. Um, but so, but against UCLA, like that front and defensive line is really good, really good. So what are you going to do? Are you going to set set max protect with a tight end and a running back? And hopefully Fernando can beat them over the top or are you just going to try and run Jaden um, through them? Cause if he, if, if their offensive line somehow gets a break through that defensive line, I think Jaden has a very good chance to eat up chunk yards all the time. I don't know what their game plan is going to be. And who knows what, what Chip Kelly situation right now too, like what that is going to be like going into yep. our game. Yep. Um, so, and in regards to Fernando, I think Andy, you're spot on. Like, Look, there's there's caveats that we have to talk about too, right? Fernando's first four games outside of this Washington State game, and I guess you could also include the Washington State game to a certain degree, were against all ranked opponents. Like even Washington State was ranked at some point this season, 
and his two away games were at Rice Eccles and Autzen, which are two of the probably the hardest places to play in the conference. Um, so we've seen improvement, but we haven't we haven't seen from him that game that's like, oh, that's why we're playing him. Like we've seen moments, but we haven't seen that a, to- a total game from him. And I yeah. don't know whether to put that on his shoulders or in the play calling from Spav that gives him those opportunities. But yeah, we just haven't seen like that complete game from him yet. And my thing is if they're gonna, I don't, I think six passes in the second half says like, it's not like Washington state's past defense is incredible. So when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think, yeah, you're getting them on the ground, but ideally, if you're having that much success on the ground, it should set up the pass. So yeah. uh, I think that to me, we might be getting more signaling than Wilcox would ever admit to that I think they could have been like, we're going to mitigate risk in the second half. Yeah, I can and see that. To me, that signals more of a, a game manager, whereas like, let's use the comparison of Brock Purdy because it's a nice one and close to home. <laughs> I think that what Kyle said is what he noticed, and this is what I would love to hear, and I need this is on me. I need to go listen to Spav and some of his post-practice sessions. But like what Kyle Shanahan talks about Purdy, he's like, he's like, dude, dude lets it rip. Like direct quote. He's like, dude lets it rip. And he's like, sometimes when you, when you get guys that let it rip, they make mistakes. I don't hear that. You know, like with Wilcox, it's pretty consistent. Fernando's great. He's getting better. He's learning from his mistakes. He never makes the same mistake twice. So they love the development and maturity that they get in decision making. But I'm, and I do think he's gotten better out of the RPO. And he's certainly executing it better than Ben Finley and Sam Jackson. So like, we can't totally pull away the success of the running game from his decision-making as a part of the RPO. So like, I think that's actually a big plus for him, but I don't, what I don't see it is to your point. I thought the SC game was okay. Bad, really bad defense. Now we can shred him through the air. He's got the arm. I, I just, I don't know. I, I sort of expected more and that's the problem with expectations, but against Stanford, I mean, how many points did Oregon State just score on them? 70? Close to it. I mean, yeah, I think to, I think just to put an addendum to that, Stanford will be, in terms of st- statistics, the worst defense he'll have played. Yeah. And so I think we, you know, maybe before, maybe before I should have stated what I stated, we should wait <laughs> and we'll revisit after the big game. Yeah. <laughs> but if it looks like a game manager and it doesn't look like, he's someone that can really take advantage against a bad defense that I'm like, have we really evolved much beyond where we've been? And if we haven't, 
that's not necessarily what I want to take into the ACC next year. Jack Plummer, to me, has been like my favorite quarterback that we've had in the last five years. Yeah. Because I think he was the best downfield passer. Like he had the best arm. And unfortunately, we had an atrocious offensive line. And he ended up having to be a runner way more than I think he would have preferred. But I think he ultimately had the best arm of anyone that we've that we've seen. Um, so, yeah, let's look at Stanford and I think maybe use that as a measuring stick and then certainly UCLA. Uh, but if we go into that UCLA game, US, UCLA has nothing to play for and we have everything to play for, like a bowl game on the line. My goodness, man, that yeah. uh, that would be a tough one to stomach if we ended up losing that game. But we'll yeah. save that for another podcast. Yeah, I think just to wrap it up, like if you have a young quarterback like that and you know they're not like a five star and you're not you're not expecting immediate success. I think the two benchmarks is is he competitive against the higher tier opponents and does he outplay the opponents that are lower than his like his talent level? I think he's I think he's played to the level that we need him to play at in you know t- top tier games, maybe not the Oregon one. That's like everyone was bad in that Oregon one. Um and then so I think we'll get the best chance to see that against Stanford. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's it for the the Washington State. There's no there's no more questions about that, but there are other questions that don't have anything to do with that stuff. So what are we what are we talking about next, Andy, before we close out the night? Let's do big game hype. I'm excited. <laughs> Is it bad that I'm like I'm like really going into this being like we should really win this game? <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. I think most I think if if you've been following this Cal team for a while and you're, you follow the Pac-12, this this is the first Stanford game in quite some time where I felt like this is an embarrassment if we don't win. Yeah, I felt that way last year too, but yeah, but like David Shaw was still there, right? So it was yeah. just you just never you just never know. Yeah. Um, you know, especially because we thought we were going to win 2020, remember? And look what happened in, in that one with with all those whatever craziness happened. So don't remind me. Yeah. Don't so remind me. this is the this is the one. The, I was talking to Nam <laughs> at the tailgate. And I was this is Nam was like this is the one where we figure out if Troy Taylor's actually a sleeper agent. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is the game. This is the game. Like we've never had a coach. We've we've had we've had the storyline of coaches. Uh, stealing signs from other teams but have we ever had a head coach purposefully giving away signs to his home team (laughs) (laughs) that might be what's on the lookout for for this week do you get any sense that his job security is not safe or is it truly they're okay with this right now i think year one year one yeah i think everyone's okay with this year one At, at least the stanford guys that i know and i've talked to no one's no one's upset Okay. I think they wanted to see moments, and I think the Colorado game was that moment. Yeah, okay. Well, so here's the thing. I mean, we just were neck and neck with Washington State, which who they beat, mm-hmm. you know, two weeks ago, 10-7. In Washington State, too. And then Stanford, Washington, they played Washington super close. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Every other game, <laughs> get whooped. So. Yeah, you just never know. Uh, you just never know, man. But I think this one would hurt deep. This one would hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. So I really hope it's not one. I, I, yeah, I think if we can come in and kind of establish, but the big thing for us is going to be defense. 
And I think that's the unfortunate takeaway. Like, I don't think the defense necessarily played bad last week, but I don't necessarily think they played great. No. And we just, it's crazy. I mean, we have the most talented defense we've had in years, in literal years. And I feel like we've gotten the worst product overall uh, that we've seen. And, and that's, it comes to the, the frustrating piece with Wilcox because, you know, at some point it's like, what is our, our identity? Yeah. And I think someone said this on the radio the other day, they said that bad teams don't have an identity. They struggle to find it and they don't ever find it. And you just sort of like, you don't do really anything well. And that's like, we have like a good offense and that's about it. You know, really suspect special teams, and a, a poor defense and we have a defensive head coach so at what point are you like what what are we doing here and I, I for the life of me what i will not be able to understand is why wilcox hasn't been able to plug in more on the defensive side of the ball and make a bigger impact that being said we had six sacks against washington state i don't want to take that away there's clearly some changes that were made there that i think worked really well that we need to repeat against stanford in the big game in order to win but it's it's just one of those things as we go to the offseason. It's like, it's the same thing with the Chargers. You guys have a defensive head coach and you're locked into like massive offensive football battles. And I'm like, why do you guys have this dude? <laughs> that's, I ask that question to myself every day before I go to bed. <laughs> just that's the fleeting thought before my mind melds into nothingness. What big game is this? 126th? 126th? Yeah. Last year was 125. That was like the big deal. I mean, is this potential to have three in a row? Yeah, 20. Well, yeah, it'll be four in the last five years. 21, 22, 23? Yep. And then we, and 19. And 19. Yeah. Yeah. On the road, That'd the be nice. rain is an equalizer. If it is rainy, that would be interesting. Look, I, I don't know. Who, healthy. I, I don't know who you trust with the rain stuff. Google says it's going to rain all day in Palo Alto. Apple weather, when I checked on my phone, says that it's only supposed to rain between ten and twelve. Um, we'll find out on Saturday. Dude, what Apple weather app do you have? Why is mine so basic? Doesn't it's just the weather. It's just the weather app. Like I and I clicked in the city and then I checked uh, precipitation. Unreal. Unreal. All right. All right. Let's do some questions. What are we going to talk about? You wanted to, I know the last thing you wanted to kind of talk about was Oregon State, right? Just briefly talk about it. Kind of touched, touched on it a little bit. Yeah. The big I mean, news out of the Pac 12 today yep. was that Oregon State and Washington State actually won their court case. The judge sided with them. The remaining members of the Pac 12. Mm-hmm. The terms of that, not to give anyone. So, let me just state that I'm on the side of Oregon State and Washington State. <laughs> sure. As a Cal I fan. love this for them. <laughs> I love it. It makes perfect sense. You have all of these teams that have abandoned you in the Pac-12 and who are now saying that we deserve a seat at the table to make decisions for the future of the conference. Absolutely not. You do not get that. It's not your conference. You left. You all contributed to the downfall of it. Cal and Stanford, if you wanted to stay... And you could have stayed and been a conference of four. And we would have been on the same side, making the same case that we should have the rights and USC and UCLA shouldn't have a fate or you know shouldn't decide our fate. 
And so I find myself very much on the side of Washington State, Oregon State. That being said, I don't think Oregon State and Washington State should get $500 million. <laughs> uh, and so I think that's the important piece here is that the judges giving them the rights to make the decisions for what's best for them in the conference moving forward. But it's under the pretense that they can't just go and then take the money that has already been earned through things like NCAA tournament uh, appearances and all of that uh, and and essentially hoard it from themselves. I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to have to just come up with a distribution strategy that makes sense. The schools will get their money that they're entitled to. But the key for them is to want to understand and, and be able to decide on the future of the conference. And so as far as my perspective, I'm like all applause over here and yep. just rooting for Oregon State and Washington State. I think they completely deserve the right to be able to have the keys to their own future. What do you think? Yeah, I think that that's kind of how I, I processed it too. Um, look, at, you're supposed to, it, basically the judge is saying operate under good faith with $500 million in your bank. Uh, thankfully, these people aren't, you know, 18 to 22 year olds with $500 million in their bank account. So they're not just going to go out and splurge. I think, yeah, I think you're going to find a mediator. You're going to find something that, that like favors Washington State and Oregon State because they're going to, they're going to work for that and just uh, take a little bit of a pay cut, but take an exit fee from with all those teams and then just uh, say your goodbyes and your handshakes and, and move along your, your jolly old day. But the, the key thing here that someone that people are talking about on the Twitters um, after that news broke is like, this could be the start of another round of realignment and not in the, like the power five power four type of realignment, but those that group of five underneath. Um, with this, because if you're if you're cash strapping Oregon State and Washington State with five hundred million dollars, and let's say they give none of that back to any of the other universities, then you could theoretically use it to pay the buyouts for schools out of other conferences to help them join the Pac two or Pac slash Pac twelve. And I don't think any judge is going to have any hard preference into saying that they weren't operating under good faith when they're using that money to better their own conference slash business yeah but i think i i don't know if you can necessarily get away with yeah i don't i don't think that's that's the way it's going to happen but that, that was one of the intriguing possibilities that people brought up was yeah, like they're going to yeah. use some of this money to to bring in some other teams which which then triggers of course another round of yep. realignment yeah so it'll be interesting to watch this this offseason and, and uh heading into what probably like March because as of right now like Washington State and Oregon State have no 2024 football season and have no 2024 basketball season and that's just for revenue sports so crazy so crazy yeah um yeah I think that's good enough talk with that we have a couple more questions Andy Squid literally just tweeted in a question a minute ago who's who is Squid Sid, <laughs> you, do you know her, her Twitter handle actually is squid though? <laughs> I swear you said squid. <laughs> I might've, I might've read her Twitter handle, but her Twitter handle is squid. No, no, that's great. That's great. I figured, I figured I'm All just right. giving you a hard time. I know. What improvements do you think Mendoza has to make in order to be successful at Stanford? I think we kind of touched on it, but we didn't really talk about what he needs to do. 
you know, I think it's a matter of it depends upon what I I think there's two different expectations that he doesn't have to necessarily meet, but that are in my mind. One of which is just simply being the mistake-free individual that we need him to be and not giving Stanford unnecessary chances to get in a game. I think that's what you have to do as a favorite. You play mistake-free. Yep. And so if, if he went in and executed the mistake-free game script, I couldn't really necessarily... Like, let's say we did... Right, I'm not trying to hold it against him that we gave him six reads in the second half, but I'm saying, to me, as a coach, they're making a conscious decision, which is, he's young, he's a freshman, let's control the variables. And so if they're doing that as a result of trying to get the win, I think I'm fine with it. And I'm not going to try and take sweeping generalizations, um, even though I may have done that earlier. So let me just contradict (laughs) myself a little bit. The second piece is then my own, which would be, you know, I I would want to see him take advantage of a, of a vulnerable secondary. I stand by that. Like when you're having a lot of success on the ground, you should be starting to see some of your defensive backs play up further and be much more you know, prone. So like for me to have success, I'd be, I'd love to see him be able to pull and make a couple of reads, drive us downfield and, you know, maybe have two touchdowns. If he got up into the range of like 250 yards, two touchdowns, I'd feel pretty good about it. Yeah. I think that sounds all right. I, on, I think the only thing I would add is it kind of what you were talking about. And this is kind of coach speak as well. But he just needs to take advantage of the opportunities. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the times it's like we look at a stat line at the end of the game and we're like, oh, you know, we didn't get to see Fernando throw that much or he didn't throw that much. But sometimes those opportunities aren't for him to decide, right? It's like the play call that's being called in from the sideline. So when he gets those opportunities to like they're they're saying, look, like here's an opportunity here. I think we can throw deep on this one. Um, he's got to hit those. Like the, 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 I think early on, I think they're going to give him a couple of opportunities to make a couple mm-hmm. of plays. Mm-hmm. I think you show, you make those plays to show them that one, Stanford is vulnerable in those ways and also that you're capable of doing it in this game. And they're going to let you let it rip a lot more throughout the rest of the game. Knowing, knowing that it's twofold, right? One is that you can take advantage of Stanford of it. And two, he's now telling you, I can do this. And you don't have to, you don't have to put the training wheels on those types of things for him anymore. So that's probably where he needs to improve the most. Well said. I, I, I agree with everything that you just said. I think you're right. Early game is where you're going to see the a little bit more of that trust. And, you know, can we do this? Can we execute on this? And as long as we can deliver on that and not shoot ourselves in the foot. Like, like that's the big thing with this team. I go back to kind of what I said last week. I'm not really sold that we're like all that well coached on the fundamentals. Yep. So, um, you know, the worst case scenario is Fernando is putting those ball, like those passes in a good spot yep. and players are dropping them or, you know, those type of mistakes, but that's really not on him. And I would love, you know, if we're evaluating Fernando, I'd love to say, okay, great. Like this isn't, there isn't anything that he's doing that I'm looking at and sort of saying, that's what needs to get better. And for, to his credit, there wasn't anything last week that I pointed to other than that third down play where I felt like his decision-making was off. Like the fumble wasn't his fault. 
Um, I do think he could have stepped up into the pocket. Someone else, I think, wrote that. I mm-hmm. did see that at the time live where I was like, he was clearly kind of gearing up to throw a deep ball. And had he just stepped up, he would have been able to make that pass. But, you know, like collapsing pocket is it's really hard to fault a quarterback too much on that. Um, so I think if he's making those plays and putting the ball in the right spot and the receivers are just dropping the passes and it's going to be like, all right, what, what else is happening? I hope that's not the case. <laughs> you see my head. I'm in a negative headspace. I'm yeah. like, oh man. Um, but yeah, drop, drop 40, drop 50. We'll feel really good about it. And then go to go and focus on UCLA. Yep. Yep. Another, uh, some, somewhat like last year where it's like a, just a, yeah, just a crazy, what the hell are we doing? Uh, or I mean, sorry, two years ago. Where it was just, it's the Bill, Nam labeled it the Bill Musgrave Masterclass. It was just, wait, we're really doing this? We're really, we're really just offensive explosion against them right now and just going to crush them into the ground? Yep. Um, we need that. We need that. We need it. All right. That's it. That wraps it up for us here on the California Golden Bear Cast. Of course, you can find all the written stuff at rightforcalifornia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Golden Bear Cast, where, Andy, we have now reached... I believe 1,007 followers. Wow. Long time coming. What if we lost seven? <laughs> We'd still be at 1,000. <laughs> we joined the site in September 2019. And we have 1,007 followers. This is amazing. Thank you for all the follows. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, thank you all for listening. It's been an interesting season. It, it hasn't been all sunshine and butterflies, which is where we'd normally like to live. But yeah. it's been... Uh, we're always gr- super grateful for the questions, for the fans, for our listeners, especially those that are still paying attention to Cal football. Because let me tell you, I had four extra ticks to that Washington State game. And I asked, I actually went out the night before with 15 people that went to Cal and asked every single one of them, are any of you going to the game? And do any of you need tickets? And the answer was, we're still playing. <laughs> like, Sounds dude. about right. Sounds about right. <laughs> Sounds about so right. So thanks for hanging with us, those of you that we got left. Yeah. Because you know what, Andy? It's now basketball season. It is. And the Cal men's basketball team has now made 60% or 66% of their win total from last year after last night's victory over Cal State Bakersfield. I was going to say, there's no way we would have beaten CSU Bakersfield last year. No <laughs> chance. No chance. But we did. We did. And we played Montana State on Thursday. So uh, if you have time, come out to that. But um, outside of that, it's big game week, folks. Enjoy the week. If you're coming down to Palo Alto, come say hi to us. We'll be around. And, um, yeah, just just enjoy the festivities of this week. It's going to be great. Let's get the axe. Keep the axe, baby. Keep the axe. And, Indy, as always, what do we say? Go Bears. Go Bears, baby.